0: This is the Books Podcast, presented by Tim Hague.
1: Actually, economics is, as it turns out, entirely Keynesian, and there is no alternative. Money doesn't matter. You can invent money. The problem was that no one could even agree on what money was. I ask you, gentlemen of the jury, is this the kind of book you would like your wives and
0: servants to read? We're delighted to be talking to Nicholas Wapshot again. Nicholas, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Great pleasure, Tim.
0: Well, nearly a decade ago, we discussed your book about uh, Keynes and Hayek um, in the middle of (laughs) the economic convulsions following the 2008 financial meltdown. And here we are again, emerging from our our bunkers into the desolate wasteland of the pandemic um, with a book about Paul Samuelson and Milton Friedman. Looks a bit like a sequel.
1: Is, is that fair? It's, yeah, something of a sequel. I mean, Samuelson's definitely the direct descendant of John Maynard Keynes. He was the Pope of Keynesianism, really, in the post-war period in the United States. He wrote the definitive economics textbook, which everybody, if they read economics, reads. As matter of fact, still, I, even still, I,
0: uh, yeah, for my A-level um, economics, it was Samuelson. Absolutely. So I actually knew Samuelson's uh, name, and I think... I think a lot of people probably didn't if they had nothing to do with economics, but everybody knew Friedman's name.
1: Yes. If you were an undergraduate, you would know Samuelson because Samuelson was your Bible. Yeah. But Friedman, of course, was a much different thing. He was a public campaigner, and he moved away from economics, although his principal concern was inflation... Uh, he also had a much broader list of things he wanted to achieve in his life, or get converted in his life.
0: Well, you said something about that. That you were—you said that Samuelson was a, a Keynesian high priest with high phrasing to match. I'm quoting you. Uh, and Friedman was a door-to-door free-market evangelist, hoping to convert the unwashed one proselyte at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put. Um, can we talk a bit about their background if you were writing a novel you couldn't have constructed it better this is you?
1: jeffrey archer stuff these are two <laughs> men separated at except birth. better written <laughs> <laughs> i bow to jeffrey's uh, brilliance uh there were two jewish boys one born in brooklyn one born in indiana most unlikely place for a jew actually to be born if you know anything about the united states but his father was a pharmacist and this is Samuelson's father was a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And like many, until uh, many recent years anyway, pharmacists operated like a sort of fake doctor. You, you go to Boots, the chemist, and you say, I've got some. could you give me something for this cough? Instead of paying a doctor's bill. And the great smokestack smoke industries in Indiana had a lot of people, many of them, speaking the same language as Samuelson's father did when he was a boy in his own house, uh, East European languages. And so actually, he, was a, he did very well, but he was very busy. And so Paul Samuelson was farmed out to, literally farmed out to a farm. Uh, and to the day he died in his mid-90s, he didn't know why his parents did it. They never explained it to him. But the fact was that it was one child too many, I think. Whereas, meanwhile, back in New York, uh, Friedman was brought up. His father died. His mother sold sort of dry goods from corner stores. Uh, didn't make much money. And so for the whole of his life, Friedman felt that somehow that Samuelson was one step ahead of him. Certainly was by the time he got to Chicago University where they both started reading economics. Because Samuelson, who was two years younger than him, was already there. He he was definitely a a child with two brains.
0: Oh, he was unbelievably bright, wasn't he? He was uh, startlingly...
1: Yes, and uh, the secret of economics, really, in in terms of genius is uh, mathematical ability. Uh, Keynes was not an economist. He was a mathematician. All great economists are mathematicians. And it's that understanding...
0: That explains my A-level result. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Understanding the the moving parts of a a system and uh, the comparative moving parts of a system which you can get in a mathematical graph. And Samuelson sort of cornered the market in uh, trying to describe Keynes in detail. And so he sort of filled in all of the gaps that Keynes had left undone and explained them and proved them mathematically that they were correct, which Keynes didn't have any time to do.
0: An economist is, is somebody who says, this works in practice, now let's see if it'll work in theory. Yeah. You started off telling us that um, they, they shared a column uh, in, in Newsweek magazine for years and years and years, um, which I did not know. How did that come about?
1: Yes, it was an absolute gift to a biographer to have... Mm-hmm. People taking alternate weeks to write it's not quite a game of tennis or ping-pong but over the course of time it is and they are arguing and debating similar topics and so you've got a very interesting take on one man's view as opposed to the other man's view they weren't very polite to each other either in in print in print no well but
0: uh, I mean Keynes and Hayek from from your previous book uh, were at each other's throats at least to begin
1: with yes and I think that 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 uh, anger that uh, disappointment that uh, poisonous atmosphere which was left by the Keynesian debate, debate, has actually poisoned the well of economics ever since you really can't discuss economics ideologically without one lot getting very hot under the collar and the other the others ignore pretending to ignore them and pretend they didn't don't exist even
0: but is that not partly because economics is so ideological one i was going to come on to this later but part of the Problem, especially for, for, for me with uh, Milton Friedman, is that, like all right-wingers, he wants to sort of pretend that, that this is just uh, facts of life and that uh, the things that he's observing are... are we, you, you can't buck the market, or, you know, those kind of uh, phrases that they like to use, which is, by the way, is a lie. Almost every market in the world is rigged. They are all bucked in the sense that there's the free market... There is, is no such no, thing as the free
1: market. There there's is no such thing. Yeah. there's nowhere on a, on a tropical island. There's no free market. <laughs> yeah. There is no free market.
0: And yet, right wingers and free marketeers like to pretend that, that that economics is simply a description of things that happen, as opposed to an ideological position, don't they?
1: They do, yes. And they imagine some sort of lost Eden where there was a perfect market that existed, which had been perverted by people, governments mostly, or democratic movements, trying to introduce changes into the market which would make the market less cruel. Uh, but actually economics is, as it turns out, entirely Keynesian. If you if you study economics, it is Keynesian. There is no alternative. Uh, the Austrians tried to make up a micro version, saying that you shouldn't take any notice of the big picture. But it doesn't hold together. It doesn't hang together. Actually, Friedman was a Keynesian. Friedrich Hayek used to say of Friedman that uh, you and Samuelson have more in common than I do with either of you. So uh, the well, divisions we, were on the the right in a way more than the left. I mean, the left were combined in saying that Keynes was a good thing.
0: Well, of course, Keynes died in nineteen forty-six, so Samuelson wouldn't have had a, a relationship with him, although he did with his disciples. But Friedman knew Hayek. Hayek lived until 1992, I think, if I remember
1: from your book correctly. Yes.
0: So, uh, how, how did they get on? How did um, Hayek regard
1: Friedman? Uh, better than the other way around, I think. I think that Hayek, on the whole, really didn't regard anybody apart from Ludwig von Mises, who was the great Austrian anti socialist economist who was his mentor. But he had a pretty low regard for everybody. Certainly, he, he recommended to Friedman all the time, don't get involved with politics. Don't deal with politicians. They are crooks and liars. And, of, of course, Friedman wound
0: up involved with lots. I mean, uh, Nixon and uh, yeah, General I, and Pinochet. Yeah. And, and all uh, of that, yeah. Petition. And uh, some fairly unsavoury uh, individuals.
1: Yes, uh, he, he, He was always anxious to prove that his theories made sense and he could only do that in a Keynesian world by having a sort of live experiment. And his great success, actually, was getting two uh, major economies, the British economy and the American economy, to actually try out his ideas about monetarism, about how if you choked off the supply of money, you could keep inflation down. Uh, They were both abandoned very quickly by both the Brits and the Americans.
0: Well, we, I think almost everybody of any way of our generation associates Milton Friedman with monetarism, even though, as you make clear in the book, he... Well, he didn't so much. I was going to say, did he ever abandon monetarism? Because the people who tried it did.
1: Friedman was determined to prove some key aspect of Keynesianism wrong, and he pursued through his whole life the Keynesians in order to try to find something which would prove them wrong. One of the things the Keynesians believed in, I must say, if you look at today's economy, you might imagine it's the same. Money doesn't matter. You can invent money.
0: Well, yes, you can. Every
1: single government who's managed to keep going through the, this terrible pandemic has done it by printing money. That is, they borrow money. Well, they lend it to themselves, effectively. Yes. I mean, you know, this quantitative it's, you take easing of,
0: thing, which is yeah. a bizarre sort of conjuring trick, isn't it? Where yeah, but it
1: is Keynesian, and it is rabbit out mm-hmm, of the hat. Yeah. The fact is that... the it appears to be nothing in that, but there are as many rabbits as you like, as Keynes would say.
0: I have a slight problem with this. I ought to be even-handed. Um, but Samuelson is a Keynesian, and as you say, economics is Keynesian. It, it, it's very hard to find things to talk about, whereas with Milton Friedman, you want to grab him by the throat and say, okay the experiment was tried a couple of times and you said it was abandoned very quickly. Why? How did it go wrong when, when people attempted to put monetarism into practice?
1: He oversimplified it. The, the quantity theory of money suggests that if you in- vastly increase the amount of money, you're going to devalue its value. Uh, and that is that inevitably true. true. Yeah. It must, yeah, that be must, must be true. true. Yeah. But what Friedman said was, therefore, you should adjust the amount of money that you're putting into this system. You will have some inflation, but if you keep it narrow, then you could have a predictable amount of inflation in the system. The problem was that no one could even agree on what money was.
0: Or how so, to count it, or how to... Exactly, <laughs> there are all
1: sorts of M, with a very small, yeah, numeral. I remember that one. Even when, the Americans and the Brits couldn't agree on which measure. Here it was M3, there yeah. was M0,
0: and, and there were all definitions, whether it was in notes and coins in circulation yeah. and, and uh, bank deposits and, or mortgages and which, which of these things you built into uh, to your money supply. And nobody, nobody could, well, nobody knew which one to use.
1: No. And, and also you can't control it. You can control the Federal Reserve. You can control the Bank of England if you want. But what you can't, in the modern society, stop is people from borrowing money when they want to. If you've got a credit card, just, work, just max out the limit to see and add all of that together and that's the outer limit of how much your private people can decide what they might might want to borrow which they won't they will borrow a relatively small amount of it unless it's available money
0: because it's demand management keynesianism is about demand management not about money management absolutely
1: it it is yeah demand is everything he said Mm. that was the key lever was demand if you want to get unemployment down you increase demand demand was absolutely the key and the money as you say was just a vehicle so it's how, like how did it Italy. go wrong
0: for for the Americans and for <laughs> the British? Um, for those who can't remember,
1: <laughs> uh, well, in in America it uh, went wrong because the Federal Reserve, first of all, couldn't work out how to do how to do it. Their teams of economists couldn't work out how to do it. So they pretended to be monetarist because politically it was um, well, they, it was demanded of them that they should pretend to. Adopt monetarism, but they really didn't adopt monetarism at all. You've got another find great a way to do quote
0: it. from Dennis Healey, um, who said, "I'd never met a private or central banker who believed the monetarist mumbo jumbo." Absolutely, but no banker could afford to ignore monetarism as long as the market took it seriously, and that's what you're saying, isn't it?
1: It is, yes, and that's true today, of course. I mean, if the market believes something, whether true or false, the market rules, and we're t- dealing with the psychology of. A relatively small group of people in the city of London and New York, Tokyo, but a relatively small number of cities actually, the number of people altogether who make up what the market feels and senses is pretty small, but there is a herd mentality like in everything else, like in every other business, you know. If like br- if somebody says there's going to be a shortage of petrol, yeah. there might be um, queues at petrol stations. Yeah, and you can make a very decent living by being the outlier because you will be right like a stop clock, you know. Eventually, you'll be right and then you'll say, look, I told you so years ago, you know, and you didn't take any notice of me. So people adopt their positions. but well, most people are slap bang in the middle of whatever the fashion was. And in Britain, of course, it was pumped up by Mrs Thatcher, who the first scientist to become a prime minister... Who took theory very seriously? Who read books, mm. as did Ronald Reagan? Mm. They'd all read um, Friedman. They'd all read Hayek, and so she was determined that it would be imposed, whether it worked or not.
0: But she she was a scientist. But I never felt that she understood economics at all, Mrs. Thatcher. I mean, she you, again, you quote that that thing that she says about you know you can you can uh, look at growing up in a grocer's shop in Grantham gives you a, a secure grasp
1: of economic (laughs) principles. It really doesn't. Not at all, exactly. Finance has got nothing to do with economics in that sense. Um, Business has got nothing to do. Mm. I'm lectured constantly by amazingly successful American businessmen who tell me about economics. It's not economics they're talking about. They're talking about business. It's a totally Mm. different thing.
0: After the well, the the political failure of monetarism. Uh, Milton Friedman does not go away and keep his mouth shut. He moves on and becomes uh, the apostle of of, uh, free marketism and small government. And and, and, uh, what what he does, of course, it seems to me, is he, he conflates free markets with political freedom. He thinks that the one are not so much uh, associated, but they pretty much map onto each other.
1: Yeah, one of his most famous books is called Free to Choose. And he thought that the individual's ability to choose to do what what the hell they liked should be key to everything. Uh, As a conservative, of course, this is quite difficult because conservatives also believe in institutions, and they believe in rules, and they believe in laws, and they believe in democracy mostly. But Milton Friedman thought that you could do, do away with many of these things and let individuals. And he decide. believed
0: it. I mean, he, he meant, he meant so. it, didn't he? He, he yeah. would have uh, legalized all drugs. Yeah. And he thought that uh, the first President Bush's Clean Air Act was uh, was a, a, an improper use of government power and things.
1: That's right. He said that Nixon was the most socialist president he'd ever come across. Not knowingly to me, and I must say I can't see any socialism <laughs> much there. But any intervention in the, the so-called free market for Milton Friedman was an abomination. In a way he has managed to persuade a great number of people in the united states to believe that that is the case the republican party which used to be a conservative party on under i guess the last one was george hw bush is now a libertarian party largely that is do i don't want to be taxed i don't want to be told to wear a mask i don't want to be told anything come to think of it i just want to live my life just get on with what i'm doing without any interference from anybody including other people who have voted to pass a law which might restrain me from doing it
0: but of course there are some things that free markets do not deliver. And free markets are very good at delivering uh, beer to people who have some money. Very good at that. Very good at rationing, uh, and, and Well, that's it. Again, it's, it, that's another of Samuelson's observations, isn't yeah. it? That uh, What prices do is they ration scarce goods.
1: Yes. When the Americans say, you know, the National Health Service rations health care, mm. and you, you have death panels who decide who lives and who's mm. dying, well... The market does exactly the same. It's, it's just it's called outpricing someone, so they can't afford health insurance, so they die. Uh, the example of that, the best example of that, this of course is the disproportionate number of Black Americans who have died in the pandemic because they've had no health insurance because they could never afford it.
0: But isn't that the point? I mean, how would Friedman respond to to that notion that there are some some goods, social goods, that the free market is uh, sometimes very bad at doing and sometimes utterly irrelevant to. I mean, the free market will never deliver uh, pollution control. It will never deliver uh, defence. It's not very good at delivering education and, 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 and healthcare and things. How would Friedman respond to the the many limitations that I would want to put on free markets and say, this is not an appropriate uh, place for to, for, the, for the doctrine. Well, I
1: suppose all these things are a choice, aren't they? And for Friedman, they were a choice between one evil and another evil, and or one benefit and another benefit. And he thought the benefits of being able to do what the hell you like whenever you like to do it was much more important than making sure that everybody was tended if they fell ill.
0: But Friedman, on a, on a personal level, was, um, was desperately interested in, in human welfare, wasn't he?
1: Yes, he was. So, Freeman wanted to, he was against the welfare state of any sort in America because people would come across the border and use it, who hadn't paid for it. But actually, he didn't want anybody to go into the army if they didn't have to. For instance, there was no, he was against conscription. He actually persuaded the president to abandon it. Uh, but those sorts of traditional conservative notions of, you know, for God and country. Sort of Edmund
0: Burke uh, yeah, outlook. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, he
1: wasn't interested in God or country, actually. He was actually an atheist, too. I mean, that's, too, something you would, as a conservative, try to conceal. But Milton had no problem about it at all.
0: The book is called Samuelson-Friedman, and we've agreed that uh, they were um, quite rude to each other in print in, in, their, in their column. Um, were they remotely friends? or?
1: Yeah, they were sort of rather like Keynes and Hayek, who, in, in, in the end, uh, had dinner with each other in King's College. a couple Mm. of times a week, they became frenemies or Mm. something close to it.
0: They respected each other, didn't they? They they both knew that the other was an intellectual powerhouse, even if they thought (laughs) they were on the wrong side.
1: Yeah, I don't think Samuelson would have thought that Friedman was an intellectual powerhouse, but he would consider himself to be a publicity powerhouse, Mm. a marketing powerhouse.
0: And a street fighter.
1: Yeah, and so, yeah, they. uh, Milton Friedman married the woman he sat next to daughter in the very first lecture that he had in Chicago, Rose Friedman well, Rose Friedman's quite famous I love Rose Friedman she was feisty she was indeed. she was
0: on Milton's side the whole way through
1: absolutely and uh, she was so feisty she insisted that her name be put on all their books so it's, every book is by Milton and Rose Friedman I can't think many authors would let their wife in on that particular piece yeah. of vanity. Paul and Linda <laughs> um, did did she have any input into the books or who can tell? There's no evidence of it, I must say, in the archive, which is in the Hoover Institution. I've crawled all the way through that. And there's no Rose saying, there's no Rose annotated typescript saying, I, I wonder whether you should put this in here. But Rose was, she was the sister of a man called Director, who was a, actually a very important conservative economist from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she definitely had a very large intellect and she kept him on the straight and narrow, kept him honest and I think gave him enormous amounts of advice.
0: I want to do one more uh, hypothetical. Hmm. Uh, Milton Friedman died in 2006. Hmm. What would he have made of the, of the 2008 meltdown, the financial meltdown, which, um, in a way, the problem wasn't the money supply, was it? The problem was a terrible, terrible uh, de- uh, lending to people who couldn't afford it. Um... And then bundling them into those special uh, uh, instruments that... Uh,
1: Actually, I don't think Friedman would take that. Like, he would take a Keynesian view on this. He did extraordinary big data research into mm-hmm. what had gone wrong in the 29 crash and the dec- longer than decade depression afterwards. And he said it was because the Federal Reserve hadn't provided enough money. They should have hosed money at the problem, and it would have lubricated the banks, which wouldn't have gone bust. And therefore, people would have been able to carry on. And I think 2000- 2008, he would have said exactly the same. This what thing you, is frozen what up.
0: advocated rescuing Lehman Brothers?
1: Oh, certainly not. But it, you do not have to have a consistency in your argument, I think. No. He, he, was, he was interested in having enough money in the system so that it remained fluid, enough to work. Uh, so in that case, I think he would argue there would be no need to rescue Lehman Brothers because it would have been floating on Federal Reserve money. Ah, I see.
0: Because I mean, the logic of the free market is that, um, is that when there is a meltdown like that, things have to go to the wall, yeah. The moral hazard is, is that... Um, A a bank that can't pay its way
1: should go bust. Yeah, the result of 2008 is just actually the shrinking in the number of banks. So, like capitalism in general, it's tended towards monopolism. Mm. They preach the free market and how it's good for the consumer, but actually, when it comes to it, all companies, instead of going the hard route, which is to please your customers and by various adjustments, better service, better prices, attract people across, much easier to go and buy your rival out, which is what they do.
0: At the end of the year, I'll talk about Keynes and Hayek. I asked you which of them had won. And I want to ask basically the the same follow-up question. Um, How are, for for Samuelson and Friedman, how are their respective reputations these days?
1: Friedman's almost disappeared. It's very hard to find anyone who even remembers Friedman, unless you're over 50 years old, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And you might remember it. I mean, you know, Nigel Lawson remembers him. Mm. (laughs) All of that generation of politicians remembering, because militarism was used like a club across people's heads to, it was really an excuse to cut public services, cut public spending. Now, we we're talking about Samuelson and Friedman being friends. They were friends, except that when Friedman died, well, the body was barely cold in the ground, when Samuelson started firing revolver shots into it, saying what a waste of time Milton had been, and he uh, caused everybody to spend a lot of time chasing red herrings. And so that was and wasted that, a
0: lot of other economists' time.
1: Yeah, and they all, yeah, a lot of Nobel prize winning economists Americans said what a waste of time Milton Friedman was because we were distracted from all of the things we should have been doing to make society better by chasing after this will of the wisp that he invented.
0: Well, that's really interesting and the book is absolutely fascinating, Nicholas. Thank you very much. It is. Samuelson Friedman, The Battle Over the Free Market. By Nicholas Wapshot, um, published by WW Norton at 2299 in the UK and 2895 in America. Nicholas, thank you very much. Great pleasure, Tim. That was Books Podcast, presented by Tim Haig. Books Podcast is a Green Shoot production. You can find out more at wwwgreen shootcom and Tim can be contacted on Tim at green-shoot.com